This week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast covers the AL and the NL Players of the Week, the All-MLB Hitter Rankings, as well as the All-MLB Team Rankings, who is the best team in Major League Baseball right now, the good and the bad contracts so far of the offseason, the rising stars of Major League Baseball, and what's going on with that team in Anaheim. Find out next. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team, and this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 64. Alex and I are coming to you late Monday, June 6th night. Alex, I don't know what to say, but it's been a disappointing week so far for us. Uh, the team that you're sporting, the ball cap that you're wearing, um, it's been 12 straight losses for a team that was coming out of the gates really hot, coming out of the gates on the verge of ending the playoff drought since 2014. And right now, we are a sinking ship. Any comments on that so far right now? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the elephant in the room. I'm glad we're getting out in front of it to start off the pod. Um, it's just, it's one of these topics where I have too much to say that I could, you know, I could write an essay about it. But uh, I guess the long story short is, Travis, about a week and a half ago or so, the Angels begun what we knew would probably be the hardest stretch of their season. They had four against the Blue Jays at home, who were a lot of people's picked to win the American League going into the season. And then they had three in the Bronx, which the Yankees are a team that most people, or I guess most people would say is the best American League team right now. And then uh, the Phillies were hopefully a stopgap to try to get some momentum going back home against the Red Sox, which is who they're facing right now. But the Phillies turned out to not be a stopgap. Angels blew a couple games in uh, Philly and got swept. So that's three straight series sweeps against us. And then just tonight, um, it was a Waka versus Syndergaard kind of pitcher matchup, even though both pitchers were kind of getting teed off on a lot. Mm -hmm. Syndergaard really struggled to get any swings and misses. I don't think he got a swing and a miss until Story, like the might have been the third time through the lineup. I, I, I'm not sure. It was it was something surprising, but. Um, it could have been second time through, a couple but, a couple of k's looking but right nothing really fooling the hitters could not fool the hitters he would get in these two strike counts high fastballs they foul it off change up slow they would just foul it off every time he tried to throw a slider in the first few innings it was in the other batter's box in the mm -hmm. left-handed batter's box so a lot of trouble um i guess being super efficient but but you can't complain with the run with the one run uh get one earned run allowed by Syndergaard tonight there you know there's no issue there the issue was really with the bats um there's been some rough pitching outings uh so far this road this this losing streak this 12 game skin but Travis the story for me is really the hitting yeah. um and you could view it different ways some fans may say the pitching it's really kind of on everybody to some extent but um Trout of course has this big hitless streak that's something that doesn't really concern me because he just actually ended the hitting skid tonight, but he was had his longest consecutive at-bats without a hit. 
um, of his career, but the the old record that he had, his old um, longest streak that he just broke was during 2018, which in my mind, it was his best hitting season ever. It's his best Mm -hmm. OPS plus season ever. And that season had his second longest skid. So having a long skid to me is not, you know, the end all be all by any means. I'm not worried about it at all. And I'm glad he broke this slump tonight. But um, he went one for two with like a walk or something. Only three at bats tonight, which is brutal. That's why I think he really needs to be batting second over third. Yep. It's not like it always happens, but when Shohei makes the last out of the game and Trout's on deck, I really wish we could have seen them kind of uh, flip-flop. Trout maybe could work a walk. Shohei can get man in action, you know, more stuff going on. But long. Uh, I digress. Like I said, I think the big issue has been the hitting, Travis. I was thinking back, and I didn't do the research, but just going off my memory... I think the last Angels home run mm-hmm. was Renjifo in the Bronx. It was. Like, that's, it was. That's, that's like seven days ago. And that was Tuesday, May last 31st. Week. Not even this month. We have not had a home run yet hit this and then, month. And then before that, it was the massive onslaught yeah. of the Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game yeah. uh, over a week ago now yeah. against Blue Jays at home. And that was a loss. Yep. multi-home run game by both teams. Um that ended up going to the Blue Jays late, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I have tons to say about, you know, the coaching, the offense, the defense, the pitching. A lot of it also comes down to luck too, Travis, because um, any big league team that's going to lose 12 straight obviously has a lot of bad luck in the mix because baseball is a kind of sport where anyone can take a game in a series, right? And until to get swept in three straight series and then now we're going on our into our fourth series still on a on a losing streak to me that says um a lot of things didn't go your way and that really kind of uh is personified by the uh sunday afternoon loss uh in philadelphia where bryce harper hit a game tying grand slam in the same inning where an angels double play turned into a ball thrown into the outfield that extends the inning. It turns two outs into no outs, um, allows bases to be loaded instead of bases empty. Yeah. You know, it's a classic example of one little mistake snowballs into a blown game. Um, when you had a six to two lead with mm-hmm. two innings, you know, you need six more outs, don't allow four runs, and, and they couldn't get that done. Got a lead again in the ninth, and we're not able to close it out in the bottom um, of the inning. Uh, I could I could point fingers to you know coaching staff to pitchers there, but in reality I think the ball didn't bounce our way that day. Um, but long story short, short Travis, I am probably one of the more optimistic Angel fans mm-hmm. during this skid. You and I have both seen tons of Angel fans online talking about stuff like. Um, it's over, trade Otani, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Trout is washed, you know, fire the coaches, which I actually maybe might, you know, like some of those tweets sometimes, but um, I might drop a favorite here and there. But um, I guess my overall thought is, um, actually, I have a tweet, say, I'm going to pull it up real quick. But my overall thought is, even though we're on this big skid, we built, thankfully, we built up enough of a cushion in the first two months of the season to be able to afford this, right? Because right now, I think we're a game or a game and a half outside of the third wild card spot. I think we were a half game yeah, behind one, the Red one Sox. And, a half now. Um, and we're playing the team that's one spot ahead of us. So we could easily kind of flip things um, 
if we were to, you know, split, or, or make things worse, yeah. split this series. We could, of course, continue. Yeah, we can continue falling like a rock. But um, my thought process is uh, teams have started much worse before and ended up better off. We are only two games or like a game below 500, I think. Um, and with that in mind, there's so much season left. So I'm really not incredibly concerned. Um, I mean, I, I, that's not the right word. I guess I am concerned about the performance and the approach, the strategy, the game planning, all of it. But I am not doom and gloom, I should say. Mm-hmm. So just a quick stat, and then I'll throw it to you, Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, this was super interesting. I, I, I think I lost it. Um, oh, I have it here. Okay. So the 2019 Nationals, Travis, uh, after 54 games into the season were 22 and 32 10 games 22 and 32 yep. that's crazy angels are much better off than that at this yep. point they were a 500 team at 54 games into the season now they've lost two more since then but still um if they lose eight more then they'll be where the nationals were right that, <laughs> yeah. that's 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 yeah. to put it into some perspective the 2021 braves also world series champs 26 and 28 with 50, uh, what is it? 50 some games played. Uh, I don't want to do the math right now. I'm not in the mood. But <laughs> either way, it just kind of shows that some of these teams um, who end up being World Series champs are definitely, you know, at least playoff teams, uh, even division winners or wild card winners. Sometimes these teams do start out with losing records, they're losing teams in the first third of the season. Um, a third of the way into the year, Travis. Angels, uh, if you told them they'd be a game and a half out of the wild card, a lot of fans would take that. Oh, yeah. If you show them the, the windy road that it would take to get here, it'd definitely be um, eyebrow raising. But I think before today's game, the Angels had a twenty high 20s percent chance by Fangraph to make the playoffs. And then just, just a week and a half, two weeks ago, it was up in the 70s. So that's a massive skid um, by a lot of those kind of metrics. But at the end of the day, I see a few games out of the wild card race with a hundred games to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm in. You know, yep. it's about the next hundred games, not the last sixty. Brush it off, cut the dead weight. And Travis, I'll say this. The Sunday's loss was the most devastating of the whole losing streak <laughs> because it felt like we had the game in the bag. I think it was the most devastating of the season so far. Yeah. Right. And with that in mind, after that happened, I kind of like decompressed this is a funny oh, way yeah. it sounds yeah. and i was just kind of like i just kind of cut off the losing streak from my mind i was yeah. like we are not on a losing streak it's about the next game just think about the next game and exactly i know yeah. the players um i think they need to hold each other accountable mm-hmm. the coaching staff needs to be held accountable everyone that built the team needs to hold each other accountable but at the same time don't let it distract you from the next few games mm-hmm. keep up the planning keep up the uh, strategy. Uh, and I think the team needs to shake things up for sure. I would welcome coaching, uh, consider coaching changes at least, or different uh, advise them to change course in terms of strategy. Um, a lot of things could use correction, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, um, I'm not of the opinion that, you know, acting like the season's over is, is in my mind, just super reactionary mm-hmm. and kind of, of a childish take. But mm-hmm. Travis, I just talked for like 10 straight minutes. 
please give me your thoughts on the losing skid. And I, I think, I feel like I, I try not to spend too much time on the angels because I don't want our bias to show through on the podcast, yep. but it this, is, it, this it seems is a storyline like, right it now. It seems like it's the biggest story in baseball right now. So please give me your thoughts on what the angels are going through right now. Yeah. And deep detailed analysis, Alex, good job on that. Um, I, I like how you pointed out, I was going to say to you, I, I was actually going to text you earlier today watching the game. Um, you're right. Angels haven't hit a home run since Tuesday, May 31st in Renhifo. And it was in, what was the seventh inning? It's like a solo shot. Like he like just pulled one out. Yeah. Off, uh, it, it, and actually it was an oppo shot. It, it was an oppo shot. And I was, I was very was impressed it? by the power he was showing oppo, you know, it's Yankee stadium, you know, that's some consider a little league field, but uh, you know, it was impressive shot to go oppo that way, but you're right. I mean, I, well, well, the biggest number I look at is in five away games uh, the last week, if you, if you take out Sunday, you had five games where you scored five runs total. Yeah. And, and to me, you can't win a ball game by scoring one run, averaging one run a game. Yeah. So that is, of course, the biggest storyline. I was always talking to a lot of people, you know, they're asking me, what do you think the problem is? And shockingly, I always had to say the hitting because, I mean, you basically yeah. are looking at all these score lines and you lose one, two. You really can't ask for a better pitching job at Yankee Stadium in that game. And you lose a game by only scoring one run. And then, of course, you know, even losing one to six or six one, you know, you still need to put up a better fight in that game as well. I know you're facing Nestor Cortez, who is up there with, uh, you know, getting a lot of Cy Young votes so far throughout, throughout the season. But, um, you know, one run with him as well. That's just that's really poor right there. But uh, Sunday's loss, like you said, that has got to be a devastating blow. It almost felt like, as in, and I wasn't even watching the game, Alex, but it, it just felt, you probably felt that you weren't out of this maze just yet. You scored five runs, you know, I think it was in the fourth or fifth inning, but you just felt that, you know, Phillies weren't going to go out easy. And, you know, you give up two, I believe, I think it's a 5-2 game, and then we score runs, so it's 6-2. You're happy there, you're in the eighth inning, you know, you're confident with the bullpen, but errors lead to guys, uh, you know, staying on base leads to innings being extended. And then, of course, you have probably one of the most dangerous hitters in the National League right now, Bryce Harper. He is on a tear. Um, I know he was on a tear the last weekend series against the Angels. I think he had three, two or three home runs in that series. But you basically leave that change up up and he I think he second decked it in the right field uh, porch. Oh, yeah. And I mean, just a shot that he hit. And then you just feel like this game is going to be over. No hope in coming back. Of course, you score a run in the top of the ninth. So now you feel, okay, cool. Now we can, we we're, the luck is finally turning our way. And then of course you just allow innings to continue. And then you have a, a nice bright, you know, future star, uh, Bryson Stott, who hits, I think it was a three run homer that, uh, you know, wins the ball game against the Phillies. But I feel like honestly, after that, Alex, you got to look and say, okay, the road stand is done. We're coming home. We're facing the Red Sox. You know, this is a big series we got to look to because if we win the series, hey, we're a six seed again. So really, you look at all these 11 games, they really mean nothing almost. So uh, I think the biggest thing that really, I would say, pissed me off tonight is um, I was looking at the pitch count and Michael Waka tonight against the Angels. He had, let's see, he was at 89 pitches, Alex, in the uh, the start of the bottom of the eighth. So through basically seven, okay. through seven, 89 pitches. The biggest number that really just concerned me the most was he finished the game. He pitched two innings and he finished at 105. He threw 16 pitches in two innings and 
he had to go through, of course, some of the most dangerous hitters in our lineup, Otani being the last guy. But I think what really just concerned me was that the last two innings, he only had to throw eight pitches in each inning. And um, I know looking at the start of the ninth, you know, just getting really detailed and in depth, you have Velasquez up, not the best hitter. He swings first pitch, pops it up. And in my opinion, you just got to find a way to get on base. You got to find a way to just increase the pitch count, you know, almost add length to the game to make sure that you guys can, you know, even if you have to get walk out of the ball game, but first pitch swinging, that's not going to work. And then I think Duffy had the longest at bat. I think it was like a five pitch at bat. He did kind of work it. Yeah, He worked it. And of course, you know, got out. But then of course, I think Otani came up there and swung first pitch at a fastball that was probably on the outer half of the strike zone, grounds it over to second base ball game over, you know, and the Angels lose in probably the most bitter fashion. Besides Sunday, you lose a game one to nothing. That's got to be one of the most devastating blows, especially when you lose at home and you're on this streak right now. But, um, you know, I'm with you, Alex, on the stance that season's not over. People want to just keep saying the season's over. It's not over at all. You know, one thing I will say, thank God we're not playing 60 games right now, Alex, because what if you told me we were 27 and 18 and we're playing a 60 game season. I think the angels probably have a 99.5% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. And right now you'd be staring at probably about four games left in the season. And we better win the next three and we better win out. We better win out. And that would be something that would be the, that would just be the funniest and the saddest combination of a of a season ending, uh, you know, the season ending results right then and there. But of course, we don't play 60, we play 162. But I just want to go back to that, just looking at 2020 and just seeing how the results would work in that year. Of course, there are, only, there are eight playoff teams, so we would still be in the playoff chase right now. But I think you're right with everything. You just got to look ahead. I mean, players are probably looking at tomorrow as, do we really want to tie? I think the franchise record is 13 straight losses for the Angels. I think it happened in 1989. Do you really want to tie that record? Um, or of course, do you want to just get over the hump and find a way to battle and win the ball game? But, you know, it's going to be funny because tomorrow you have the rookie pitcher Reed Detmers on the mound. He will have probably, I, I would honestly say probably one of the biggest starts of his career so far. Um, he's going to need to provide a, uh, just, you know, he's going to have to go out there and shove it for, you know, five to six innings, because I think the length is one of the biggest parts in, uh, making sure that we can win these ball games. But. Of course, I don't want to talk the whole episode about angels, but I just thought we'd open up with this. Oh yeah, Alex. Um, I've uh, it's 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 dark days, but also you know the one thing that's really nice is this is June and not August, and we're not you know doom and gloom and just looking down at our season. We still have a long ways to go, and uh, you know this, honestly, the Red Sox people are really high on them. Someone tweeted today there could be four AL East teams in the playoffs this year. I don't think that's up. Honestly, I don't think that's going to be a possibility at all. Um, Red Sox have to play the Rays and the Yankees. Like I said, I think honestly, like 12 times each, they got to play the Blue Jays more. They got to play even the Baltimore Orioles who are a tough team, but, um, it'll be tricky. I mean, Boston of course has had a huge comeback, but they're one team that I will say, I think a lot of people are giving them a lot of props. They're a good team, but, um, they of course still have a huge, uh, chunk of their schedule left against really, really good teams. But anything you want to add on that? Yeah. So, um, another thing that gets kind of swept under the rug I like what you mentioned about the last inning. I really do not get why they left in squid to hit there. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Velasquez, he's been the worst hitter for the Angels this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has redeeming qualities as a hitter, I will say. I think that he hits the ball 
really hard when he does make contact, but I think he has some of the worst like pitch recognition that we've seen from an angel in a long time. Mm-hmm. He was swinging at, you know, first pitch curveball in the dirt he's swinging. Uh, there was one time where he had a full count, I remember, in a kind of a high leverage situation. He took a fastball middle-middle. He kind of decided he's not going to swing, and, and they, they piped it. But um, there's just certain situations where I really do not trust him at the plate. Leading off the ninth inning down by one. Um, <laughs> I will say this. We don't have that many great pinch hit opportunities. Um, I think on the bench was Ligara, Suzuki, and Wade. So not great options, but um, I would have... I think I would have preferred um, at least that attempt to kind of change things up because whatever we were trying against Waka was not working. Um, Maybe, honestly, I hate hate bunning for hits on the most part, but maybe have Wade go try to bun for a hit because something needs to give. Maybe make Devers make a good play. Force Devers to make a good play. Something like that, you know. know, Maybe that wouldn't have worked. Who knows? It's it's all all in hindsight, but... um, also, a big reason we don't have any pinch hit opportunities is because we have a lot of players on the IL. I think that the Angels being where they are, just a couple games back, a game and a half back, considering how much time some of their guys have missed, Rendon is on his, I think he had a, he's, he's on the IL. He had another either IL stint or a day-to-day stint. Um, this is the third um, injury stint for Taylor Ward. Uh, he started the season uh, on a day-to-day, and then mm-hmm. he was day-to-day again a couple weeks ago, and then now he's in the IL again. Um, Mike Trout has missed time on sickness. So has Rendon. So has Marsh. Uh, yeah. Marsh, I think, multiple coaches, funny enough. Stassi and Suzuki, both IL time. Mm-hmm. So um, I just say that to say every team has their injury issues and their IL stints, but the fact that the Angels have gotten uh, – more or less a 500 season about a third of the way through considering all the hardships, the heartbreakers. Um, if we can just cut it off, just cut off the dead weight, cut off the burden of the losing streak, forget it and go forward. Then I'm still optimistic. I'm still optimistic about it. So, um, we can probably try to shift to something, even though it's going to be hard. It's going to be in our (laughs) minds until we finally win one. But like you said, Tomorrow's a new day. Detmers, uh, hope he can get the job done. Um, even if not, Travis, if we tie a franchise record, I don't really care. Yeah. I just care about day-to-day. Let's try to get wins. The bats um, need to wake up. And I will say this, Travis. I think we hit some screamers off Waka that ended mm-hmm. up being outs. Yeah. Walsh lined into a double play. Walsh had two. In the first yeah. inning. And then he lined one uh, over what should have been the shortstop's head, but it was Devers in the shift. Devers leaps and grabs it. I think, you know, that play doesn't get made probably, you know, nine times out of ten. But yeah. that time he grabbed it out of thin air. I mean, five feet to the left or right, Alex, that's a, you know. It's a gap or that's double. That's a gap or, you know, a, my, a long base hit. I think Trout was on first, probably would have scored him if it goes to the wall. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, either way, like I said, uh, every day, every game is a new game. And I'm not too worried about the streak. I am more concerned about day-to-day getting the guys going, mm-hmm. hoping that Ward can come back healthy hoping that Trout can come back healthy. I'm very, very glad. I was going to have a long talk. Travis, this was going to be a longer discussion if Adele was still in the minors. I'm glad they called yeah. him back up. Yeah. Um, I take him over Ligaris any day. Uh, so far, I think only like one strikeout maybe. Maybe two. I think one though. But he's uh, only has one hit uh, in his two games up with the team. But he's putting the ball in play. He always hits the ball hard. He has his whole career. And in defense, no errors. Um, has looked pretty smooth out there. One kind of... 
weird looking running catch, but um, some really good looking running catches. So overall, um, I'm very okay with where the team is at, given the stuff they've had to go through. I think Trout will have a big month at some point coming up. I think Otani will have a big month at some point going forward. Right now, I feel like we're in the Walsh big month. He's yeah, spreading out the ball yeah. in a big way. But maybe June is the month of Walsh. We'll see. But either way, Travis, we can spare the listeners who are tired of hearing Angels talk for the time being. Um, where to next? Let me see what we should tackle. We There's, can always go over our uh, ALNL players of the week. Yeah, if you got that, let's yeah, go for that. Yeah, so I mean, first we'll go over to AL. Um, Alex, we've talked about this guy for so long. Um, he could be one of the best pure just hitters in, you know, baseball right now with Juan Soto and with a lot of other guys. But Jordan Alvarez, um, mm-hmm. AL player of the week. I think he had four home runs this week. But, I mean, the guy just continues to mash. And also to add on to, uh, you know, the subject of Jordan, he actually just signed a six-year deal an increase, yes. or I'm sorry, an, uh, an extension with yes. the Houston Astros. I think it was six years, 115 million. So you look at that deal, and I know he's just going to be pretty much a DH, but you're getting one of the best pure hitters in the game right now. He has the on-base numbers. He has the slugging numbers. He even has the average numbers. Um, pretty much doing it all right now. Uh, and so he will be a Houston Astro for, you know, I would say, honestly, pretty much the I won't say the rest of his career, but, you know, the prime of his career, he will be a Houston Astro. Um, But going back to what he did this week, four home runs and OPS above a I think it was a eleven hundred. But just looking at the season numbers, Alex, he's hitting two ninety five this year with a three ninety one on base and a six twenty four slugging OPS at a ten fifteen. So he, of course, has an OPS right now better than Mike Trout, better than Shohei Otani, uh, you know. Dude is just on a tear. Uh, anything to add on on your Don? Yeah, I I think that he, um, it's hard to say, but I think if Mike Trout stops being the best hitter in baseball in the next few years, um, a lot of people were saying Juan Soto last season, and it very well might end up being Juan Soto because he was so special last year. This year, Jordan's saying I'm in the conversation, right? I think he really could become yep. the successor in the conversation of who's the best hitter in baseball. Travis, since Jordan Alvarez entered the league in 2019, this is a tweet by at Taylor Blake Ward. Um, Jordan Alvarez, uh, of course, was a rookie of the year 2019. Since his debut to now, only one player has a higher WRC plus than him, and that's Mike Trout. But WRC plus, which is commonly accepted as one of the best hitting, just over how good have you been as a hitter stats, he is second to Mike Trout mm-hmm. in in a, in, a, in a very large sample size, 2019 to now. It has been several seasons. Um, one of the most special hitters in the game right now, for sure. One of the most talented hitters. I think Altuve had a quote today when they asked him about, you know, you're done winning that player of the week. I think Altuve said, this is the best hitter I've ever played with on my team before. So um, high praises from a, you know, a Hall of Fame talent uh, in Altuve. I'm not sure if we'll make it. We'll see when that time comes. But mm-hmm. yeah, Alvarez for sure, Travis, is... Um, on another, on another planet, I think it's unfortunate for him that DHs don't really win MVPs because he would, he would make a good case. And I know he does play some outfield um, this season, but uh, I think the defense will make it really, really hard for him to win an MVP. But if it was an offensive award alone, um, I think he'd be up there with as the good as good of odds as anybody to win an award like that best hitter in baseball so we'll see um how his season continues but i'm really high on him he's been great for my fantasy team too 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, just pure hitting Jordan Alvarez is going to win you, uh, you know, he'll win you a lot of fantasy style points for you, Alex, but uh, moving on to the NL player of the week, uh, went over to the Colorado Rockies, Brennan Rogers. So I would say, honestly, the best comp, the best replacement right now for Trevor story, uh, Brennan Rogers, he was a, uh, he was a you know high prospect a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. The start that he's been on, uh, you know, it's been good, but not of course the level the Rockies wanted him to be on. But this past week um, had himself kind of a career week and also kind of started off the month of June in uh, in in a very high fashion. But he had four home runs, Alex, in the uh, in, in this past week, and so four home runs so far in the month of June. He has six total on the year, so you're looking at two entering the month of June. Now he has six. Um, had a three home run game against Miami. That was probably one of his most shining moments of his career. Um, but just the extra base hits this week alone uh, were outstanding. He had an OPS north of 1,200 this past week. So really kind of kicking things in gear, playing at Coors uh, has really been helping him so far for the past uh, for the past week or so. But um, any finishing touches on Brendan Rodgers? I know he's a name we really don't talk about too much just because uh, not too much to talk about with him. So... Uh, any any final notes on him? Yeah, I don't have too much to say besides the fact um, he is someone who the Rockies have wanted to pan out, like you mentioned, and it's, you know, uh, was a slower start to his big league career. Uh, he is someone that is, you know, you would almost view them as uh, he's a part of the young core, I guess. Yep. And there's a lot of, you know, players to like in their system. I like Connor Joe, Brennan Rogers, if he pans out, McMahon, would, be, would yep. be awesome. Yep. Yeah, McMahon. And then, Coupled that with, you know, guys like Crone and Bryant who are more veteran players, um, you know, it makes you think that if everything went right for them, they could be a few years away from being a solid team. But oh, yeah. uh, overall, that's that's probably wishful thinking, yeah. just knowing that the Rockies trajectory. But it's still great to celebrate uh, a great week from a great young player. So that, that that's it, it's it's nice to see uh, it is. a, a it guy is. break out like it that. Is. So, so. Both of your, uh, you know, NL and AL player of the weeks, Alex, I really would have thought that Bryce Harper would have been up there just because of that grand slam. Um, I really want to see. I wonder what he had for REIs for the week. It was probably almost north of 10. Um, it just seemed like every single time he came up against the uh, Angels, it was a productive at bat after another. So uh, Bryce Harper, of course, still, uh, I guess we'll give him our kudos just from the series we saw uh, from him. Uh, his bat is not slowing down. And it's funny. Uh, one of the annou announcers was talking about how, you know, he felt bad. Uh, Bryce Harper felt bad that he was taking away uh, DH opportunities from, you know, Schwarber, Castellanos, uh, a couple other guys. But sure. I mean, when you're talking about Bryce Harper and that bat, um, he shouldn't feel bad at all because that bat needs to be in the lineup no matter where you put it. Um, I don't care if he's got to play shortstop. That bat needs to be in the lineup batting third for that team. Um, he is uh, on a, I, I would honestly almost say like a rebirth kind of trend for his career I, I was really down on him a couple of years ago just because the way he finished with the nationals going to philly i think the first year in philly was just kind of abysmal and it did not look like he was worth the money that he was getting paid i know that huge contract he lasted so long in the uh in the free agent market in the off season and then finally signed this huge massive deal with the phillies um, right now, I, I, I will say I'm just very impressed with what he's done the last couple of seasons. 2020, I know we look at those numbers. They're not super attractive, but when you really take a deep dive in depth at those numbers, very impressive in 2020 and 60 games. And then, of course, last year, Alex, he was our uh, NL MVP for sure. So this year, he is looking like he'll be a top five MVP in the National League again. Definitely uh, could be. And uh, I mean, 
the guy's just, I mean, honestly, on another on another planet right now, the way he's playing. Yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of indicate, even from last season, he might even be improving this season. Um, the numbers aren't on the same level, or they're at, at a pretty similar level, I'd say. But um, some of the stuff like the hard hit rate is better. Um, the walk rate, I think, is better. Uh, I have to double check all the, all the details. But um, a lot of signs trending towards the idea that last season was not a fluke, even though he did, uh, obviously... Uh, it felt like last season, last season was a perfect storm for him. Everything went yep. right, but this season it could end up being almost a similar scenario based on what we've seen so far. But Travis, that's funny. Last year, he started out the season pretty cold. Oh, yeah. Didn't make the all-star team. Hot second half. Won the MVP. That's it'd be something fun, that It'd be I, funny if this year he had the, if he had the, if he had the reverse, like it, starting all-star, but then you're like right. low MVP, you're MVP right. votes. So and we'll that's see. funny. You know, one guy that did not make the all-star team was Bryce Harper last year. And I think also he got – I think he got beaned in the face in the month of May. That's I, true. There was time he, missed. He took one to the face, and I think everyone just thought, okay, the season's got to be over for Harper right now. And now you're starting to look at, is this, is this a career-ending injury? But – bounced no, back i think no two means, weeks yeah. later i think honestly it might have even been a week later he bounced back and was in the starting lineup so that just tells you what kind of competitor he is um and then of course i think not making the all-star team was the biggest uh momentum push for him to be better and have a second half like he did um i think the month of july or the month of august alex was like almost a home run every day or almost a home run home run every phillies home game and it was just it, it was on another level yeah i had him in fantasy and my notifications were bing, Bryce Harper hit a home run, <laughs> bing, Bryce Harper hit a home run, but mm-hmm. it was crazy. Uh, Travis, I want to switch over now to a different player who I think is, I think doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, part of that is probably the team that he plays for, but I'm going to read you the stats for Cabrian Hayes' first 162 games played of his career. I think this happened about a week ago when he reached that milestone, 162 career games played. In those first, you know, first full season, if you want to view it that way, two eighty-one batting average, three forty-five on base, four nineteen slugging. So it's not like an unreal profile, but it's a very Mm -hmm. solid profile for someone who was a rookie. Yeah, that's a good for a one eleven WRC plus, so a well above average hitter. Uh, Twelve homers and eighteen steals, so a threat on the base pass as well. Twenty-eight defensive runs saved. Advanced metrics, absolutely. Rave about his defense. Yeah. His defense is beyond elite, according to advanced metrics. He has 5.2 fan war in his first full season, 6.2 base reference war. Travis, a 6.2 base reference war, we're usually, we're usually talking about MVP conversation oh, yeah. If, yeah. if that's a full season. Yeah. So this was his first full season, kind of spread over you know last year and this season. So if he can really put together a healthy full year, there's no reason he should not be in MVP talks, but mm-hmm. he gets rarely, really talked about. And I think it's probably because the defensive metrics don't always translate. Uh, and Pittsburgh. Of course, being <laughs> on Pittsburgh is going to be a huge hindrance yeah. to your uh, media credibility or your media you know, cred. But um, I just think that he's someone who's super underrated, and there are so many good defensive third basements in the sport right now especially in the nl it's going to be hard to win a gold glove over arenado over manny machado but he should in theory be in that mix every year and the bat is coming along as well it's an above average bat he gets walks um and he has some pop and some speed in the base pass so he's really a five tool third baseman in my mind that um is i think a mini superstar in the making uh any thoughts on him i mean he's someone who i feel like Literally gets no love from the media. No, He's not, not, not not talked about it at all. But he is a mini star in my mind. No, I, I mean I I know the the hype. I think going into the season. I mean I know the Pirates. Will they give him a, a 
eight year, $70 million contract. Something like um, that. And it seemed like it was kind of just a, almost like a Wander Franco kind of deal where it's like, you know, we know you're going to be great and we just want to lock you up for this decade pretty much. And, you know, here's the money right now. And, you know, basically who wouldn't want $70 million for, you know, just showing up to the ball field because it's not really a performance based salary. But you, you mean, you, you read off the hitting numbers and the hitting stats and, you know, wasn't, wasn't of course crazy, you know, impressed, but of course, if it's a rookie season, that is really impressive. Um, but I think the biggest number, like you said, was the war. I mean, you said six point, uh, six point two. I'm looking at a six point eight right now. But of course, he's played uh, a little bit more games, so he's added to that career war so far. But I mean, you're looking. I mean, north of a six war, Alex. That that is right there is probably the most impressive thing I'm seeing right now. I mean, you're you're right. MVP status. He would get, of course, you know, tons and tons of rookie of the year votes if he played a full season. Probably should be rookie of the year, but. Uh, and you're right with the MVP votes, he would be getting, uh, you know, should at least be getting top 10 MVP credibility for putting up those kind of numbers right there. And I know defense is one of his strong suits and I'm hopefully, uh, a gold glove is in his future. I know he plays third base, Alex, he competes with two guys, Machado, Arenado. It will be very hard for him to win a gold glove in my opinion, probably in the next couple of years, just because I feel like those guys control the gold glove market at the hot corner. They, in they the control. League. They control the media. They control the. They uh, do. No, exactly. Yeah. They do. They do. They are the. Uh, they're practically the KGB of MLB today. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, no. But yeah, I mean, props to Brian Hayes. I mean, no, it, you know, and that that's the thing about those kind of awards. You know, look at even Mike Trout. Never had a gold glove, but you can definitely say watching Mike Trout, even if, even if you study his defense, he is such an above average defender Cabrian Hayes too such an above average defender um that you know it's just it's it's clear as day even just looking at the war that is uh that's probably the biggest number that I'm impressed with right now yeah uh I just wanted to kind of shout him out um an underrated start to his career in my mind Travis we can switch over to a different um I guess they did another another MLB hitter power rankings mm -hmm. and we won't we won't break the whole thing down but I just I'll, I'll read it off, I guess. And I just feel like when we discussed this before, Travis, it was um, a list we didn't completely agree with, mm -hmm. but we respected it and it made some sense. Mm -hmm. I think that's changed. I think this is now <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Okay. I think I think we're, we're getting kind of a little crazy here. So this was tweeted three days ago by the MLB Twitter account. They have, as the best hitter in baseball, as of three days ago, Mookie Betts. I think Mookie is a phenomenal player. I think he's a top five player this season, maybe a top three player this season. Best hitter. But I think what makes him stand out is his, he's a complete package. Exactly. As a pure hitter, he's not the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. No, there's no number that says he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know he's like tired for the NL lead in home runs as of a few days ago, but I mean, home runs alone is mm -hmm. not enough to make you the best hitter. Um, Goldschmidt was second, which okay. there's a case for that. Mm -hmm. There's a case for that. Jose Ramirez third, Aaron Judge fourth. So a bit surprised to see Judge that low, but yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of okay with the two, three, four there. JD Martinez was five. Lindor was six. Lindor at six seems also very, very kind of a, he a head scratcher for me at least. Yep. Seven is Devers. Great choice. Yep. Over a thousand OPS on mm -hmm. the season. Continues to mash. Um, Mike Trout down at eight. So Mike Trout took a hefty fall from a couple weeks ago. He was up at like second behind Judge. Um, he's on a he was on a big hit list streak, so yep. I'm not gonna say this makes no sense. But overall, his his uh, OPS numbers, his overall uh, hitting numbers are not. I think they're still better than Mookie's when this was published. I'd have to double check uh, as of three days ago, but mm -hmm. 
I just think saying that Francisco Lindor is a better hitter than Mike Trout right now is, yeah. um, I think it's an absolute nonsense. And, and what's uh, did you did you uh, say number ten or number nine or ten? Nine is Jock Peterson and ten is Pete Alonso. So I think Pete Alonso is wait, the wait, best. Wait, 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 wait. Did you did you even say Jordan Alvarez? I did not. He is not here. Wow. And of course, he. This is three days ago, and he's been hot ever since. But wow. also, he's been good all season. Yeah. Uh, Pete Alonso is ten, and Lindor is six. Yeah. And if I had to say who's the best hitter on the Mets, I am going to put my money on Pete Alonso. And yeah. I, I understand that you know, um, different people doing their rankings will care about different things. But um, I just want to highlight, highlight this really crazy list that. Uh, to me, compared to the last one, remember we had such an agreement, Travis. We were like, okay, Judge at one. It, it, it was not the right two, order, but it was it's, it Taylor felt like Ward, a solid ten, yeah. Right, and we were like, okay, these are probably the ten best hitters. This is yep. a pretty fair list. Yep. This just feels all over the place. Any any immediate reaction? I mean, I, I'm I'm I quickly looked up right now. Of course, top ten leaders in OPS throughout the season. Judge is number one. Goldschmidt is number two, and Ramirez is number three, and. They're pretty clear favorites, so I would definitely think that would be just a clear consensus of those are your three best hitters in the game. I'm okay with Goldschmidt. What is he, number two? Goldschmidt was two, yeah. yeah two. And then what's uh, Ramirez, number three? Yeah, yeah. I'm so, I mean, I mean, cool with that. Goldschmidt, Ramirez, top three, that's definitely up there. And I think, honestly, I still got to ride with Judge just because I think he was on like a crazy home run streak. He's got 21 so far this season. Uh, leads all MLB. Leads all MLB right now in slugging and OPS. So to have him at number four um does seem a little bit ridiculous when you look at some of these numbers uh it's definitely pointing that aaron judge is probably one of the most elite hitters so far on the season um but you know i think the biggest one i wanted to say is uh and i asked you jordan alvarez i mean he is one of five players right now with an ops north north of a thousand um and the batting average is you know just around 300 so uh very surprising list and i think that yeah, having Lindor ahead of guys like um, Trout and Devers, Alonso. Devers and Alonzo. I mean, Devers is another guy we just don't talk about too much just because I think we I, I know he's got a, you know, questionable glove. But I know the offense is always just so, so legit. Um, Alex, Big right time. now, I mean, we are 54 games in. This guy has 77 hits on the season. And this is not wow. even computing. I think he didn't get a hit today, but 77 hits. Um, on the season, 22 doubles already on the season. I mean, I mean, we, we Devers Two is a scoops. doubles machine. Scoops is a doubles machine. And I mean, honestly, he is having, I think, possibly his best season so far of his career. Uh, if you compare it really well with 2019, that was uh, another great season. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Lindor is the biggest question mark there. Lindor is a great player. He's having a really good bounce back year from last year. But we look at the OPS numbers, Alex. It's I mean, it's seven ninety. We're we're not we're not even in the eight hundreds right now, and you're putting him ahead of some of these other great hitters. His batting average is not even two sixty, and so uh, it it is. I I, I want to ask who thought about putting his name in the hat and who picked it because that um that could be up there with the worst of the worst. So yeah, uh, that's just my take. J- j- just a, a a little comp. I just kind of looked up really quick. So, like I said, Alonzo is 10th, Lindor is 6th. They are teammates, yeah. and I think the best hitter on the Mets is probably Alonzo. But here's the side-by-side comparison. Alonzo has one more game played, mm-hmm. uh, one fewer played appearance, but yep. he has 16 home runs to Lindor's 9. Mm-hmm. He has 54 RBIs to Lindor's 45. So, if you care about RBIs yeah. and home runs, you are and home runs, yeah. uh, Alonzo's got the lead. 
Um, Alonzo has the same number of doubles and five more hits mm -hmm. and only four fewer runs. So almost everything's favoring Alonzo yep. there. Um, the batting average is 283 for Alonzo. That's higher than Lindor's. Yep. For Alonzo, the on base is 359, higher than Lindor. The slugging is 552, higher than Lindor. OPS 911, higher than Lindor's. And the OPS plus is 158, higher than Lindor's. <laughs> He's literally higher than Lindor in every stat, except for runs. Yeah, I don't and know. I, I yeah. really, and total bases, I mean, it all is going to Lindor. It's all going to Alonzo. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know who makes the list, but uh, maybe they're focused. Maybe they watched one game and Lindor had a good day. So. Maybe they just watched, I think it was Saturday's game where he had a first inning homer against Bueller. But um, you're right. I I don't – another one of those kind of just head scratchers of what are you, what are you doing? It's, 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 definitely, it's definitely funky. It's definitely funky. But um, I don't want to bash Lindor because he's having a great year. So keep it he up. Is. Keep it up, Frankie. But uh, I, you're, not, you're not my sixth best hitter in baseball right now. He, Sorry. He's, he's having a great year. Um, I will say, of course, also uh, – not playing, of course, worth to the contract. But you know what? I think the Mets would take getting to the playoffs, making a deep postseason run, um, and you know, of course, him playing uh, above average all season long. Uh, and if you, know, you could be a durable middle infielder, exactly, there's value there. It's almost like I think some organizations they really are telling themselves, "I would rather just pay this guy the money right now. Maybe in the next couple of years, he helps us win a championship. This money is basically going towards one championship, but I'm fine with that." And I know Steve Cohen is okay with spending money. That's why he's one of the best owners because he is down to spend the big bucks to, of course, um, get the big names in New York. And, uh, you know, make some noise. And, I mean, so far, Alex, they have made uh, some of the biggest noise this season so far. So um, Say it louder. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It, it, you know what? I, the people who – Travis, the team that spends money has the best players and they're winning games? No way. You know what? <laughs> and and, I, and I, I know what we can save this conversation for another time, Alex, but um, I guess I'll bring it up right now. But I would – in a, in a seven-game series, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I truthfully think that – the Dodgers or, you know, I mean, I shouldn't even you, say the Dodgers. You're going to say you don't trust the Mets? No, I trust the Mets. I just, you know, I just have a big thing with, I don't know. I, I mean, going, I think the last time I can say a team actually like bought a championship was that oh. I have to go back to uh, 2009 Yankees where, you know, they acquired Teixeira, they acquire CeCe, they acquire uh, uh, no, AJ Burnett, they acquire a couple of big names. And I felt like that year they just put a stamp on the whole MLB that we are going to win the World Series by just buying the best talent. I hear you. Um, I just see that the last couple but, years, uh, we've seen teams that have really just had homegrown talent. But I shouldn't say that because the the Dodgers are the epitome of, you know, they have homegrown talent, but they also trade that homegrown talent for stars. They get guys like, of course, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. They had Trevor Bauer for a little bit. But um, I, 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 I'm very impressed with the Mets so far. I think I counted them really, you know, I, I was really down on them to start the season. I, they've really proved me wrong. Uh, and when DeGrom and Scherzer get back, that will just be a whole nother story to kind of talk about. But, uh, I am just going to be very curious to see how this team finishes the season. If they are really, you know, using their resources now in June. And when it comes to late August, September, if they kind of start to fade out and you see another team kind of pick things up a little bit, but it's just one thing I wanted to point out because I just noticed that they're just, the team is just fully bought. I don't know. I, I'm trying to look at one guy on their top war, uh, on their top 12 players for war, which guys came out of the actual organization. I mean, of course, Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo did, but you look at Lindor, Scherzer, Starling Marte, 
Um, you look at Taiwan Walker, Canna, uh, Carrasco, Bassett, Diaz. But that, of course, also, Alex, is just great, great ownership, getting the best resources to give you the best chance to win a championship. But yeah. that's just my only, you know, tidbit about them that I would, of course, just be weary about. But It's a fair point, and, and I like the overall sentiment that championships usually come from a team that was really built developed smart organization mm-hmm. good drafting good development all that kind of good stuff but uh yeah i think also at the same time if in a in a in a getting seven, there in a seven game <laughs> series yeah um pete alonzo mcneil nimmo or some homegrown guys i think could go off they could win uh-huh. you a series you know easily easily of course Degrom, if he's healthy he is a met he's a a Home true, a yep. true, true Met that could uh, win you three games in the playoffs. So, um, another quick tidbit, Travis, on the Mets, really quick. Pete Alonso currently has 122 uh, career home runs. Home runs. Yep. That is tied for tenth all time on the Mets leaderboard. Wow, we're looking at how a, is that uh, possible? We're looking. It's at like a, his fourth season. Uh, how is he top ten all time in Mets homers? They've been around for a long time. I'm trying to think of who's, any thoughts on that. Who's the uh, I don't know. Who oh, Keith, Keith Hernandez. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm saying oh. Keith Hernandez better get uh pretty. You know, he he he's probably concerned that he'll be probably take away his uh oh his spot on the all, hit, all Mets team on the all Mets team right now. Yeah, Pete team. Alonso right now. I mean, we we saw it from his rookie year, Alex, that he was off to probably the best start in uh, probably MLB history for you know hitting home runs in your first season, 53, uh, and and what he's done so far. I mean, we'll probably see. I would say probably 40, maybe 40 home runs this year from him as well. So. Uh, we could definitely see like a 140, even a, shit, maybe 150. His RBI? Are you looking at his RBIs? Uh, no, home runs. Home runs are now. He's got oh, a, he's see, got 122 right now. So you're telling me if he's got to hit 25 more to to you know, 25 more this season, it's definitely possible. That'd be you know, pretty crazy to have 150 home runs in your first four years. That'd be that'd be he, outrageous. So. He has he has 54 RBIs in 56 games. That's a pretty impressive thing. And yeah. I, I, I'm not huge on RBIs. Oh, you're the you, biggest RBI guy I know. So I mean, I, you you should be. I, I I'm thrilled by it. Yeah. I'm thrilled by it. But no, but I think just in terms of being an impressive feat, showing you're one of the best hitters on a really good team, it yep. is uh, it is a mind boggling stat that he's out there. Um, but Lindor is a better hitter. So according to uh, according to MLB writers, yep. that, that you'd be you'd be absolutely correct. Um, probably good to keep on moving, Travis. Um, MLB released a new power rankings today. <laughs> Not going to get into the details. I just want to ask you one question mm-hmm. off the top. Their top three, the top, oh, we do the top four teams. Yeah. Cause I think there's a, there's a top four teams in baseball for me right mm-hmm. now, at least yeah. they have the Yankees at one Dodgers at two Mets at three Astros at four right now. Who is the best team in baseball? Not in terms of record, not in terms of how they're performing, but if there was a seven-game series, World Series, who would you pick? Who is the team you think is the best team, best equipped team? Who is it? Tell well, me. I mean, you can't count out you can't count out Houston because they're the best team to win a series out of all these bunch of teams because you think they've so? proven it. But I will say, Alex, to me right now, the best team in baseball has to be the New York Yankees. Um, okay. I, I thought about it earlier today and I, I knew you're gonna ask that question today on, on, you know, on the podcast, you're but on, you're on my mind? I, I did, I did actually, you know, I was, I just knew it was gonna be asked, but Yankees, Alex, I mean, you talked about the top to bottom, that bullpen is so elite and just, it's surprisingly elite. I mean, who knew Clay Holmes was going to have this kind of, uh, you know, start to the 2022 season, pretty much stealing or all this Chapman's job, pretty much. He has been awesome. The starting rotation has been, 
I mean, right now we, we, we saw some stats uh, last week when they were playing, when the Angels are playing the Yankees. The Yankees rotation is off to the best in terms of ERA, the best start in franchise history. The franchise of the New York Yankees. I mean, yeah. we're talking about 27 championships. This rotation is so far is off to the best start. You're talking about Garrett Cole right now is pretty much your fourth starter. Garrett Cole is your fourth starter. You're paying him By all this ERA, money. Yeah. But you look at Cortez, you look at Montgomery, you look at... Uh, I'm trying to say, is it Tyon? I think it's Tyon. Tyon, yeah. okay. I, I, there's 10,000 other pronunciations of it. But Tyon, and then, of course, Garrett Cole uh, rounding it out. I mean, that is just, to me, that is one of the deadliest, uh, you know, four-man rotations so far in a, in a series. I think you also have Luis Severino uh, rounding it out as well. And he pitches, you know, some of the best baseball or some of the best uh, pitching out there right now as well. But the offense as well. I mean, the offense has literally kind of just, I, I shouldn't say how to, how to take a break, but they have so much more help now that it's not really all about the Bronx Bombers. It's about, you know, the pitching staff getting it done. We saw that game, of course, uh, you know, the last game of the series with the Angels. I mean, they're down one nothing in the eighth inning, and they just have to score two runs, and they do it, and they find a way. And, I mean, just a bunch of scrappy ball players to get it done. So the Yankees right now, I have to just say, are the biggest threat to, of course, a World Series championship right now. Um, I will say the Dodgers, of course, they're going to be kind of like the Astros, where you really can't count them out because they'll find a way. Um, they played a tough series this weekend with the Mets. They split two of two. I think that's a good split for both teams because it just proves both teams are playing at a very high level this season. They did get swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I will say Pittsburgh surprisingly is having a better year than I really did thought and think about because they are playing. I mean, they're almost 500 right now. They're 24 and 28 um, third place in the NL central, but um, it, it's a tough question. I guess I would say Alex right now, the Yankees are the best team in my opinion right now in a series though. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I I can't count out the Astros. I mean, they are gonna be scrappy, and they just have an identity that's just it's you really can't instill in much organizations. But the Astros just can't lose. So uh, I guess when they get to the World Series, they can. But um, <laughs> you know, the Astros right now are a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. But the Yankees are, in my opinion, the best team on paper and of course on the field right now in uh, in baseball. Awesome. Is that good? I Good analysis. Very good. Stute. But I will say I think I disagree. I think the best team in MLB right now, if I had to bet money, shut up. It'd be the Dodgers. Okay. That's my thought. Okay. Um, the reasoning is as follows. Uh, I think Will Smith, mm -hmm. I, th I think you just go position by position, and it feels like they're always banged up. They were banged up last year. They're kind of banged up again with yep. Muncie has been banged up and struggling as a result. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I guess Kershaw too. I mean, I, I don't know the last time he Kershaw, pitched. Kershaw, yeah, 15-day IL. It okay. says here on Baseball Reference. Okay. Um, Heaney, 10-day IL, despite actually getting a great, I mean, I would say better than expected oh, to, his, to his Dodgers uh, stint. I know Bickford has missed time. Canley's on the IL. Uh, Kevin Pillar, 60-day IL. Edwin Rios, 10-day IL. So tons of guys having injury bugs at the moment. Uh I think they're just so deep. They call up Ryan Pepio, get a start from him. Um, Tyler Anderson, Travis, has been the probably the best signing of the offseason, oh, quite yeah. possibly, yeah. in terms of just what was expected and what you have produced so far. Tyler Anderson, Travis, uh, has just been an absolute monster at 2.59 ERA, 7-0 and record in eight games started for him with the Dodgers so far this season. 
Um, he's just pitching like a madman. Um, and the bats, Travis, I think are something that I will always count on the bats to come around for the Dodgers. They have too much talented depth. Bellinger is better than last year, not back to his MVP form by any means, but still um, overall a contributor. Betts is looking like an MVP in yep. of himself. Freeman is, I would say, very solid. Uh, might not be the same OPS plus as like last yep. season, but still a well above average hitter. I would say still a, a top five first baseman right now in the game yep. uh, in this season so far. Uh, Trey Turner, Chris Taylor, some above average hitters uh, so far in the season. Um, and I think I think everything else, it, Travis, it seems like everything else almost always figures itself out with them because they uh, develop so well. They play so smart. Yep. Um, things continue to work out for them. And I just feel like they have this kind of uh, they have this kind of factor where I feel like when you're just this smart and you have this many resources as a as a as a, as a franchise, yep. things are going to go well for you. So I really am making on them to be best team in baseball when the season comes to an end. I think the Yankees might be that regular season juggernaut with the best record and all that kind of stuff. Like you said, if the Yankees and so we're talking about, you know, who's going to win the world series Yankees got to get there first. Mm -hmm. And I think they face the biggest threat. If they have to face the Astros in the ALCS Mm -hmm. that um, like you said, the Astros have been there so many times. They're going to be so ready for it. I think I do like the Yankees a bit better in terms of the pitching staff. The Astros feel a bit light there. I know they've had some injuries, um, like to Odorizzi and Verlander's been great, but I feel like he'll regress at some point here. But um, long story short, Dodgers I feel like have a pretty clear path through the NL. There are some other good teams, of course, in the league, um, but uh, I think if they figure out the bullpen stuff, get Kimbrel right, um, they could really uh, be a really deadly team. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I actually saved a tweet real quick. I want to pull up, and it was about Tyler Anderson. And how crazy um, his start to the year has been. Let me find it real quick. So this was three days ago mm-hmm. after his last start. In 10 appearances, he's 7-0 and and has only issued six walks. He's the only MLB pitcher in the modern era. I think that's since 1920. Wow. Um, or maybe it's even 1900. 1901, um, yeah. Something like that. Uh, to be 7 or 1. 100 years ago. To be 7-0 and zero or better with fewer than seven walks in the first 10 appearances of a season. So just an absolute uh, force in terms of winning games and avoiding uh, free passes on base. So um, I think there's tons of like about the Dodgers. There's tons to be excited about. If you're a Dodgers fan, Gonsolin is having his best season so far uh, by a a mile, by a long shot. And I think uh, if Kershaw and Muncy can uh, show some signs of life, Kershaw was actually pitching amazing before he got hurt. Muncy was struggling a bit, but I have no doubt he'll be back. Um, He's a guy who I want on my team in a big series, for sure. He's going to hit a bomb. He's going to walk a ton. Uh, He's always been good for them in the playoffs. So I think there's, like you said, almost like the Astros. They're they're the NL version of the Astros, where they've just been there. Their lineup seems like it's always a threat. They always figure something out. They're really smart. So. A, a proven team that you really can't be uh, wrong about when you ask that question because, um, yeah, I mean, you ask someone who's going to be the best team in baseball at the end of the season, Dodgers have to be probably in, uh, you know, you probably have three options, and the Dodgers have to be one of them, uh, and then Yankees, another team, and then, of course, you can just scramble. If you want to say Mets, you want to say um, Astros, you want to say another team as well, like the Brewers or even like the Cardinals. But, um, no, you're right. I mean, the, the the pitching staff right now, I mean, I mean, just how surprising it's been with those additions. I mean, imagine if Heaney was still putting up those numbers right now and he was healthy. That'd be another thing as well. Um, 
honestly, a, a very similar storyline to, I guess, to the Yankees uh, rotation. Um, you know, Garrett Cole, a two seven eight ERA right now. That would be pretty pretty close to on track to you know being the front runner for the Cy Young you know Cy Young Award right now. But he's got better teammates on his uh, on his side right now too. Nestor Cortez, a one five ERA. Uh, Tyon, a two three ERA, and then Severino, a two nine five ERA. So just so much help uh, right there. And then of course, what I say, Alex. I think with me, the best thing about the Yankees is their bullpen, how deep it is. You have Clay Holmes, you have Michael King, you still have Chapman who can still figure things out in time. And then, of course, you got guys like Clark Schmidt who can come out of the pen, Wandy Peralta who can come out of the pen. Um, the, the names kind of go on and on. And even, uh, I think it's Loisiga. Loisiga yeah. is still on the IL right now, but once he comes back, hopefully he can be beneficial for them in the bullpen. I just think that that bullpen is so deep. Um, and the pitching staff, the pitching staff so deep. You're basically asking that if the pitching staff were to go five innings, you have the pen to basically lock down the game till the end. And you have an offense that is up there with, uh, I mean, some of the best offenses in baseball right now. I mean, I don't want to face Torres. I don't want to face Rizzo. I, I, man, with the Angels, I don't want to face Trevino. I mean, this guy came yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, this guy literally came out of nowhere and is now, uh, you know, putting together one of the best catching seasons, offensive catching seasons so far. Guy is a 130 OPS plus so far on the season. And he's getting much of the catching time right now. Could be looking at uh, an all-star nod, honestly, just definitely. given being on the team that's getting all the buzz. Plus you're, definitely. Plus you're a Yankee, so that's going to help. So. Definitely, definitely. And you, you knew what you were going to get from Kiner Falefa. Of course, the OPS plus at a 90. That's actually, I think, honestly, if you're hovering around 100 for Kiner Falefa, that is, of course where I'd want to be with you. And then, I mean, the big name, of course, is Judge. You're getting an OPS plus at 201. So picking up the slack for guys like Hicks, guys like Gallo, um, you know, Judge is going to get you on that. And then Stanton, of course, DHing to end it out, a 145 OPS plus. So the numbers, I guess the hitting numbers are a little bit stronger than the Dodgers. But of course, you take them in a series, Alex, you can throw the stats out the window. You, you basically got to come down to who's been there, who has the experience. Dodgers have the experience so far. So it would be a very interesting uh, series to come down to. And I know everyone, I think most of America is really hoping to see a Dodgers-Yankees World Series once. Um, you know, it's been so close the last couple of years. Things have got, teams have gotten in the way. And uh, we haven't gotten to see them just yet. But that'd be pretty fun to see because I know they were a pretty, uh, you know, storied rivalry back i think in the 70s and the 80s uh, yeah, with you know, reggie both, jackson and all that stuff even so. back when they were both in new york back oh yeah in the, in the 50s and all that so it would be super fun if that ended up being the case but i know teams like the astros teams like the mets they want to play spoiler to that so um yeah we'll see how that kind of continues to pan out travis i mentioned tyler anderson as one of the best signings i want to uh the worst i want to throw you a name right now yep Go ahead and search on Baseball Reference the name that we all know and love, <laughs> Mr. Marcus Simeon. No, <laughs> this is someone else. This is this is reigning NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario. Go ahead and look up his numbers right now because I looked this up and I was kind of floored. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Tell, tell, tell me what you see yeah, on this page. Yeah, that is uh, that is not pretty. I mean. I think he's making a 18 million two years is his contract. Yep, so tell yep. me about the so numbers about nine, you're seeing. Nine million dollar uh, deal, and you're getting um, you're getting numbers that honestly you're pretty comfortable with just cutting right now. Uh, minor league, uh, you know, number. 44 um, 
I say 49 plate appearances and only three hits. So um, the contact is nowhere where you like to see it. The walks are nowhere where you like to see it. Um, zero, you know, only one extra base hit right now from him on the season. So a zero nine one slugging. Yeah. Is, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Yeah. On when you're, someone's when you're below 100, um, I mean, you could just slugging. You, I mean, you could just spray singles and you could literally have an OP, you know, a slugging that's, you know, north of 400. So. Um, a negative yeah. 1.2 base reference war. How do you have a negative 1.2 base reference war in 15 games? And He's played 15 games. And it's 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 always a concern, and you only see it with certain players. But when your slugging is worse than your on base, that that's kind of a that's and, definitely a big what is going on. Like either you're just like a Ty Cobb kind of guy that just gets singles every single day and you know gets on base somehow, or you know. You're struggling at this kind of level, and LBS plus Alec, I mean, is in the negative. So, I mean, he had four total bases on the year so far. So, pretty much the equivalent of one home run in the year. But um, that's that's a big concern. He's he's a name I've not really been hearing much of this season. And, and, that, and now you know why. There, there's there's good measure why. I mean, it, and it's kind of the it's it's the, the the big argument in the room where you have guys that just kind of go off in the postseason, Alex, and then you kind of just they're, they're expecting just these huge um you know they're expecting these huge deals to come through Jorge right. Soler is another guy he of course is not having as bad as a season um and you know what I guess with Jorge Soler you knew what you were going to get from him you knew the numbers you're going to get right now a slugging that's not even um you know in the 500s for slugging percentage but um it surely could be climbing on the season but he at least has 11 home runs on the season so far but uh, you know Rosario, man. That that is a that's a name. I'm glad you brought up because I know he was a guy that a lot of teams were thinking. Should we just give this guy a shot? You know, yeah. could he bring that one week magic to a 162 games for us? But uh, surely, you know, it's not it's not proven to be. Yeah, and and it comes down to this philosophy that I think more and more teams are realizing that it's important to pay people on projected future performance than past performance. Mm -hmm. And as important and special as he was for the World Series winning Atlanta Braves in 21, obviously they knew he wasn't going to be he this 400 hitter with you know a home, two home runs every week that yep. he was during the playoffs for them. Um, they paid him for his uh, what he meant to that run, and, and it's probably coming back to bite them right now. But yep. I think the overall the Braves are... Um, I just feel like they're going to be fine. They're going to be in the mix late like they were last season. Yeah. And it's going to come down to between them and the Phillies uh, and like maybe the Cardinals and like the Giants. Who's going to win more games at the end? And they'll probably take that wild card yeah. spot. So yeah. we'll see how that all kind of pans out for them. But I, when I saw that, I was completely just like, uh, I guess now I understand why no one is talking about <laughs> uh, how he's been doing so far. Um, I'll point out another performer that this one's going to be a positive one. Um, I think that there is a sneaky uh, National League Rookie of the Year case being built for Nolan Gorman. Mm -hmm. He is on the Cardinals right now, was recently called up, is playing second base for them. So far on the season, he has 14 games played, 52 plate appearances. His average is 304, on base is 385, slugging is 565, 950 OPS, a 172 OPS plus that's like equal to like what Trout's hitting right now in terms of OPS numbers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He has three homers in just his 14 games. So he, right when he got called up, was ready to mash. Yep. He's been hitting home runs left and right. Um, I know he had a big one off of uh, Stroman at Wrigley. 
Yes, think, and to, to it, break the game open. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he's someone, Travis, who uh, I think was not on many people's, uh, you know, high up on their on their picks for who's going to win Rookie of the Year because there's so much talent. Look at Seiya Suzuki, look at all these yeah. guys. In the NL, Travis, right now, I think that no one has really grabbed it, right? No. Yeah. At first couple of weeks, Seiya Suzuki was all the talk. A bunch of other guys have kind of been standout so far, but O'Neill Cruz was like, the, the the phenom of the spring training he is still being held down in triple a i think that it's a kind of an open award i think anyone can kind of come and grab it mm-hmm. and nolan gorman tries to me is someone who even though he just got called up you know a couple weeks ago i think that he despite the time missed he could end up with one of the best wars amongst all uh rookies he's already had a 0.7 in you know just a handful of games yep. any thoughts on him and i think i think this whole the cardinals are getting younger and they have this new generation coming up uh, Carlson, uh, you know, last season O'Neal, breaking yeah, out, Bader, yeah. and then of course Gorman now and like Libertor uh, coming up this season, uh, Juan Yepes coming up this season. Uh, it almost is kind of symbolic. They're kind of coming up as Pools and Molina and Wainwright yeah. are fading out. So that's so true. Any thoughts on that kind of life cycle we're seeing with them? Yeah, and I mean, even looking at Gorman's stats, I mean. It's a good start when you got 14 games in your career and 14 hits. I mean, <laughs> you're pretty much averaging a hit a game. We will uh, take that. You are. And then, of course, you know, 11 runs and 10 RBIs. So you're basically almost averaging a run and an RBI per game. I mean, talk about how productive you are right there. Uh, and then the extra base hits, Alex. I mean, he's got six extra base hits already on the season, three doubles, three home runs. Um, and, and we've seen some of those home runs. They're not just, you know, 315 down the line. Yankee Stadium short porch. They no, he are has pop. He has very real below, pop. North of 105. They oh, yeah. are uh they're they're bombs. And so uh and it, that kind of is a good transition, Alex, with the uh, you know, the way that St. Louis Cardinals are kind of, you know, shifting with the old guys leaving, the young guys coming in. Um I always will say the Cardinals, in my opinion, are one of the best and most, you know, when you look at the tenure and you look at just Decade to decade, the Cardinals are a team that always is a threat to make the playoffs. They always seem to reload with their roster, and it's proving right now. I mean, we're not talking about a guy, but I, I've seen him on a lot of highlight reels so far. But Brennan Donovan, I mean, I, 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 I don't even know guy. too much about him. I, I mean, right. I, I all I know is that he has an on base of 439 right now, and he's got an OPS almost of nine, you know, 900. So he's another guy we're just not even really talking about, and he's off to a great start in his career. So, uh, I mean, the Cardinals are a class organization. They, they, I feel like they've always have been, and they're just proving again that they have um, the tools to make a deep postseason run. Uh, you know, always every year, you don't want to play the Cardinals because you always know they're going to make it a series. They're never going to go lightly. Um, and when you got guys like Goldschmidt, Arenado, Edmund, um, you know, Bader, O'Neill, and Carlson, and Gorman, all these guys, you know, and you still have so many younger guys that you're not really talking about that are going to be huge in a playoff series. Um, and, you know, even if you don't make it far in the playoffs, but you get there, at least those young guys get a taste of the postseason and they can, you know, use that as motivation for future years to come when Pujols, when Molina aren't on the organization anymore. But, um, I mean, the names you've already brought out with the Cardinals, I mean, they, they're a team that it's it's hard to say that they're not going to make the playoffs right now. You definitely want to say that the Giants and the Braves are going to be teams that might be looking uh, you know, look, might be looking out on the postseason, uh, you know, bracket than in right now because the Cardinals just seem like they are deep and, uh, of course, riding the, you know, riding right behind the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee, of course, still has to, uh, you know, play cautiously. They don't want to lose that division to this team. So 
Uh, I mean, just a, 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 a team that's on a tear right now. 100%. 100%. And uh, one more thing, Travis. I mean, there's not much more I have on my, on my to-do list here, but something else that's kind of fun and I guess kind of sad if you live in Kansas City, <laughs> but if you look at the 2022 pitching staff, especially the starting staff for the Royals right now, Travis, it is one of the most shocking and appalling things that you'll see. Um, Overall, all six players that have a game started for them, actually all seven, I see actually another one, all seven players with a start this season uh, have an ERA plus below 100, so they're all below average. There's not one single guy who you can say is above average. But there are some advanced stats that I saw on Twitter. This is tweeted by at Royals Farm. Really crazy. I'm not going to explain these stats, but you, you'll, you'll get the picture. Um, there's a, a strikeout minus walk percentage. They have the worst strikeout minus walk percentage in baseball history. Any team in baseball history, the worst strikeout minus walk percentage by FIP minus... They have the third worst in baseball history. And ERA minus, they are the uh, 2,634th team out of 200. Uh, so they're like the fourth worst. Yeah. Yeah. So fourth worst um, in, in baseball history. So this is a team that the advanced stats say have one of the absolute worst pitching yep. staffs of any team of any year <laughs> ever. So yeah. um, I just wanted to kind of point this out because I was just dying laughing when I read this stat. I feel bad for Royals fans, of course, but it's just so funny to see you have the worst. There's something that you can say. We're watching a team right now that they're the worst at something yeah. of any team ever. And that that, that, that stat was strikeout percentage minus walk percentage. It's like an era adjusted yeah. stat. But um, I, I guess I'll say the one bright note about this. If you take out Granky. They're all 25 years old. So at least you can say next we're, year they should, they should all building. be getting better. We're building, right? And and, <laughs> yeah. and even, yeah, the whole rotation is young. And then even the relievers are all really young. No one's over 30. And then even if you look at, like, the other guys who have pitched but are not, like, in that, like, starting pitcher or bullpen, like, slots, Brady Singer is someone who I'm still very high on yep. to kind of pan out. Um, Joel uh, Payamps. I don't know anything about him at all, but a good ERA for him. So congrats to you, sir. Um, And overall, just uh, tons of youth on their team across the board. So I don't want, you know, at least you have something to kind of be be cool with if you're a fan saying we're we're kind of building, we're figuring things out. We know it's not really our window, but um, I recommend they build around Bobby Witt's generation. Of course, he's only 22 a young stud he's back up to about 100 ops plus so he's an average hitter as a as a you know a shortstop third base kind of combo guy overall a very positive number for him i'd say um a team not looking to win now so they don't have to sweat about it but yep. it's just so funny to see i read a stat like i'm what there's a team in my life right now that yep. they're the worst of all time at a certain stat so yeah. it, it was pretty funny yeah. to see that and, and and i guess royals fans too are probably you know not 100 percent you know, upset about that because they're probably thinking, you know, we just need to get draft picks because we just want to build a course for wit. Um, I saw an interesting, you know, thing today also about the Royals and uh, Ben attendee. He of course is their, he's their guy right now. I mean, it's surprisingly, he's only 27 Alec. We've seen Ben attendee, I feel like for almost five, six years so far, but he started out so young. He's only 27. 
Um, right now, of course, leads the Royals in uh, in WAR for the team at 1.5. Um, has an OPS right now, just right now at about 800. So he, of course, is a guy that I really wonder will be on the trade block when time comes because, um, maybe, you know, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, left is going to be a free agent next year. Um, left the you know Red Sox, went to I think Kansas City to really just kind of find his swing, find what kind of player he's going to be. Had a great year last year, and this year, of course, is back to you know having a really good year, a 321 batting average. So just by pure contact, Ben Attendee's up there with some of the you know best in the game right now. But uh, he's a guy that I wonder if the Royals are looking at maybe moving this uh, you know trade deadline, getting younger getting more guys for more ammo for, you know, the next, you know, three to five years down the road, Bobby Witt, when he becomes 26, 27, that's when they can really start just attacking that NL central. Cause I'm pretty sure, um, you know, what, not saying white Sox time will be over, or, you know, maybe there's another team that sneaks in, but, um, I'm pretty sure Royals have a good, clear, you know, idea of where they want to be towards the end of this decade when Bobby Witt is pretty much at his prime. Um, there's probably other names that they're going to be drafting in the next couple of years that are going to be very effective when that time comes. But I wonder if just they want to start now with just getting rid of Ben Attendee, starting to look for younger guys. Because, you I mean... It's a good strategy. Ha having one guy that's productive right now um, is is good for the fans. You know, it's going to bring, you know, a lot of, you know, ticket sales and jerseys to have one guy that you're going to cheer for. But I know the fans, they're there. I think they're really just purely there to see the development of Bobby Wood because of how much, you know, high praise that he's gotten throughout the years. But yeah, and, uh, it's and just one thing to think about. Yeah, if, if someone like, like the Yankees, maybe Stanton has like an injury bug down the stretch, maybe Gallo ends up getting worse instead of better. Yeah. They'll give you a, a low prospect oh, yeah. for Ben Intendi and yeah. let them just kind of help you in the postseason. A team that's trying to win now could definitely use a, a lefty outfielder like that um, if their if their offense needs one. So I think that that's a great uh, trade chip. I'm glad you you kind of realized that. And the only reason I actually brought it up, and it's funny you bring the Yankees up, is because today someone made a a mock trade of Miguel Andujar coming out to the media saying he wants to leave New York because I'm pretty sure he's not getting the playing time that he wants with I guess the talent that he provides. I know he was, uh, I think he was runner up to Otani for the rookie of the year in 2018, but um, he's one guy that they were expressing, you know, could be going to Kansas City in a trade for Ben Attendee because if they got Ben Attendee to play one of the corner outfield spots or even possibly play even center field. I know Judge has been playing some center, but right. um, play one of the corner outfield spots. That'd be a very nice bet. And imagine Ben Attendee in, in New York. I mean, that guy could probably hit 30 home runs. I mean, Ben Attendee you know? in left, Gallo yeah. in right, Judge in center, Stanton DHing. If things all pretty, went healthy, pretty th deadly. That's pretty nice. And yeah. for, for a righty, heavy lineup that that is really nice to have a guy like Ben Attendee batting somewhere in that, you know, almost like that top five or top six part of your lineup. So but uh, Travis, just something to think about on the flip side of that. If I had a dollar for every time a Yankee fan proposing Andrew Hart trade, I would be very, very rich. I'd be freaking, I'd, oh, be, yeah. I'd be loaded. Oh yeah. Um, and I saw the funniest tweet that I was dying at and it literally <laughs> said, this is getting so out of hand. Even Andrew Hart, Andrew Hart suggesting Andrew Hart trades. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the point we've come to, but he, He's he's uh he's up at like two a.m. in the morning just on his phone probably looking at like mock trades. That he's he can on make the trade and, machine. And he's probably like emailing them or sending to his GM and he or to Cashman. He's just saying, does does this work for you? Does this yeah. work for you? But I like Kansas um, City barbecue. And you know, honestly, I feel bad because the Yankees have had so many guys. I mean, you look at Clint Frazier, so many years. I know he's of course on the on the Cubs team right now, and um, I don't think he's doing too well. That you know, as just like a uh, Eduardo uh, or an Eddie Rosario, but. Um, it just seems like ever since that 2018 year, Andujar has just been kind of, you know, or, you know, meh, you know, 
yeah he's he's what, been whatever a, he's been know. a below average bat this year yeah i mean you look at basically you look at that year he had a 130 ops plus finished second every other year his ops plus alex has never been north of 83 and, so and i will also say average and the defense is not even special either. exactly they don't really have an opening at third base for him so he plays some left field if you're a left fielder with a way below average ops plus what are we doing it, it, it doesn't make sense so I, exactly. I completely understand why they they demoted him and and i guess the demotion is why he wants to leave but and and honestly he becomes someone someone that's like a ben attendee where maybe he just goes to a smaller market like the royals is not ready to win now the pressure's off of him and he can get back to that 2018 kind of form but um sure it's just no it's funny that we, we bring up andohar and the yankees bring up andohar and he's probably just sick and tired and now he's making these trade ideas because i yeah he's probably just not having fun right now with, with always having these possibilities of going to new teams but uh interesting that we bring up ben attendee because of uh you know the it, royals kind of or struggles right now so it, it makes sense and it, it would be fun to see that um i have a few more small things written down uh Tarek Skubal has been really, really crazy impressive so far. I've been fantasy, and I just every time he starts, I'm just like so excited. Like, what's he gonna do today? Right now, I'm looking at his. Uh, he also looks like a serial killer on his baseball reference page. So you think so? Oh, I do think so. Yeah. I cut some slack. He just looks like he's having fun. But maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll air it for the uh, YouTube post. But yeah, he he currently is at a. Uh, 2.15 ERA, which is actually uh, his FIP is below that, so he could actually continue even improving. I'd say um, 58 innings pitched, 10 games started. Uh, the Tigers are down down the dumps, but he's someone that they yeah. should happily be uh, very high on, and very proud of. Um, I really like his numbers a lot. He's just been kind of an ace, and they have a lot of team control on him. I, I was looking to see when he's a free agent, and like maybe they could explore a trade but he's only 25 um no reason to yep. uh he could be a part of a, a like a, a winning a winning window like later in the decade so um he's a great piece for them and travis also was taking twitter by storm was edward cabrera mm -hmm. who was throwing this like 94 mile an hour change, change up, up yeah. in coors and it was just blowing minds it was so funny to see someone out in front of a 94 mile an hour pitch um a lot of young pitching talent in the league right now. It's really exciting times, I'd say. But um, any other kind of thoughts on these guys? Or I mean, it's about time to. Yeah, I mean, Scooball, you're right. I mean, he's got a lot more. He's got a ton of seasons left before you know he has to start worrying about free agency. So I'm pretty sure the Tigers are you know just really eager to see what he brings in the next couple of years and seeing how him and Mize transition into like you know just one two to that rotation maybe even eduardo rodriguez can just be a helpful uh three guy in that rotation i think they got a couple other guys too that we're not even talking about but um michael pineda that's the one guy uh, <laughs> i forgot to talk about but uh you know th that's that's really good plan so far for the tigers um and then of course with the marlins i mean i think we've been raving about the marlins for you know the past couple months now with their starting rotation what they're going to build in the next you know two to three seasons it'll be special um you heard it here first from two tools uh Marlins rotation will be something um, out of the ordinary compared to the other rotations in the league. I can guarantee that. We've already seen it with Pablo Lopez. We've already seen it with Alcantara. Um, they know what they're doing over there. They do. They way. do. They and maybe even those guys aren't even in that you know rotation in three years because they've been traded for other pieces or something like that, or even offensive pieces. But you're but looking they, at Sixto. You're looking at Edward Cabrera. You're looking Max at Max Mayer. There's so much. There's so many other guys you're looking at right now. So. Um, 
just truly, truly impressive for what the Marlins are really building. And um, I think it's Kim Kim Ang, the GM out there. Yeah. Yeah. And what she's actually doing as, you know, a first female GM in baseball to really just build that pitching staff. Because, you know, I, I've, I heard something really interesting and I, of course, 100 percent agree. Uh, Saturday's game was uh, national airing for the Angels and the Phillies. And John Smoltz was uh, talking and he's basically just saying, you look at all the division winners and they all have pretty good pitching staffs and they have really good bullpens. So I guess that's pretty much a pretty good recipe for a winning ball club. So uh, it's just something that I always like to point out. And the Marlins, they're going to be building for one of the best pitching staffs, I think, in baseball in the next, you know, two to three years. We'll see what it kind of happens. But just the the hype that we've been seeing so far right now, it's been it's been really special. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Um, it's at least, you know, kind of fun to see these young guys continue to get better and kind of see who's going to who's going to pan out for these teams. But um, I think that pretty much wraps up the episode, mm-hmm. Travis. Uh you not, know? not too much besides our spiel to uh, yeah the, to start it off. The but. Angels rant definitely is something that just absolutely needed to happen. Um, so <laughs> if you somehow made it through that and then made it through the rest of the episode, thanks so much for making it this far. Um, just another, I guess, a reminder update. We still got the YouTube videos pumping out once a week on the YouTube channel. It's just going to be a highlight of the podcast with video. So you can see me and Travis's pretty faces. But um, yeah, please check out the YouTube Instagram, Twitter, all highly active and posting. So come check us out and uh, drop a comment and we can chat. We can talk ball. So um, if you made it this far, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>